everyone, welcome to Real Estate Right Now. We're talking about real estate matters that matter to you. We are live here from In the Craft Team Studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, part of the Greater Research Triangle Park. My name is Jay Izzo, and I am your host. And uh, we are doing part two of last week's show, uh, where we were talking about the closing statement and what you should know. So we brought Chris Coy back because we only get through one page of the closing statement last week. And that's okay. Because Chris did such a phenomenal, insightful job, and and people were clamoring, saying, we, we need to know more. You can't leave us hanging. It's like, you know, it's like the cliffhanger. You know, what happens, right? And so we needed a sequel. And so that's what we're going to do today, is we're going to do a sequel of the closing statement. We're going to finish out pages two and three. So Chris, welcome back to the show. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. Um, okay. So um, let's get right back to it. Um, we're, we'll get people reminded of where we're at. And we'll pull this up, and here we go. So we were page one last week um, here, and we are finishing up uh, this. The, at the very bottom here, we are finishing up the closing costs, and we were talking about the estimated cash to close, which is seventy-two thousand five hundred eighteen dollars. Mm-hmm. We say estimated cash to close because why? So um, certain monies right at the end where this is getting reconciled um, can potentially still be um, needed to be reconciled. Some closing, like recording numbers, or some small, like the the amount of pages that need to be recorded in your instrument very well could change right up to mm. the day that they print the documents to record them. So um, when it's saying estimated, the majority of the numbers are perfectly accurate. It could fluctuate a small amount. And by law, it can only fluctuate an twelfth uh, of a percent, 0.125%. Um, percent. So how much does this have to do when it says estimated cash to close? Um, we didn't have a locked-in rate up at the top. How much does that affect that number? That that could affect it a little bit. And why that could affect it is um, potentially when you lock the loan, you could choose to either um, buy points for the rate um, or get a credit for the rate or other things which could affect the cash to close. Okay. Um, also, um, certain other things, an example would be where um, the estimated comes in there. It may or may not have, um, an example would be um, a completion certificate that needs to be done on possibly new construction or something like that. Mm-hmm. So um, it just leaves a small amount of room for um, adding things that, that just need to be reconciled late in the transaction. Okay. Well, thank you for helping us understand it. Let's move to page two. No. Uh, go back. Yeah, I would suggest you go back. So we we went down on the first one through all of the numbers above it. And we did talk about the, the closing costs, which it shows estimated closing costs. And we talked about the $10,000 and how that numbers has, has two real numbers in it. The roughly $4,000 of actual loan costs, but roughly $6,000 worth of funding of that escrow account with taxes and insurance. How do you go from 10,000 in estimated closing costs to 72,000 cash to close? What that would be doing is having the borrower bring their down payment piece Mm. minus any net deposits that they brought in. So the reason the cash to close is 72,000, it has all of the closing costs plus the funding of the escrow account plus their down payment piece, 
minus any deposits that were given up front, such as earnest money or due diligence or any other type of monies paid in advance. Got it. Okay. Oh, okay. That makes, that makes so much better sense. So yeah, I wanted you to really understand where the 70, you know, something thousand dollars was coming from. That's the total amount of money that this borrower needs to bring to the closing for the realtor Got it. to hand them the keys to the house. Got it. Page two? Page two. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Okay, this one gets, uh, this is kind of like a little bit more of a breakdown details, right? This is the deep dive. This is really where all of the numbers on page one are coming from. Okay. So um, what we have in the, the closing costs in the upper left-hand section of this, this is going to have the actual closing costs. Yeah. Um, in this situation, the lender uh, was charging uh, a $1,495 origination fee. Mm-hmm. So that, in, in this situation- What is that? So that is the lender's fee. That's the actual money or profit that the lender is making for doing this loan. So even though it's a $400,000 loan, the lender who's really has all of the risk and is doing all of the work on this loan, that's the only money that actually goes to the bank out of the 10,000 in fees we we talked about or funding of escrow and closing costs, only the lender in this situation is really only getting $1,495 for okay. originating this loan. Got it. Got it. So, and the, the it, f- go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I'll, yeah, go ahead. Um, under that, there, there's another line that talks about points. And in this situation, there are no points. So the borrower is not paying for the interest rate mm. that they got. They're, they're not paying extra to get to, that. To buy down the rate. To buy that rate down. That's correct. They're, okay. they're not doing that. And in this situation, um, there seems to be a technology fee. So this closing had some um, parameter to it where the borrowers were either closing remotely or there was some other type mm. of fee to allow um, the closing to be slightly different. So that's what the- um, $100 is- The, the $100 or okay. 150 whatever $150, yep. yeah. All right, uh, section B, um, was this your, your, your current sh- shop fee? These are um, fees you can can shop for. So in this situation, um, this is actually fees you cannot shop for. Okay. So an example of that would be, um, by law, the lending institution for most uh, types of loans require you um, to have the lender order the appraisal. So the appraisal has to be ordered um, by the lender in a fashion that doesn't allow the lender to control exactly who the appraiser is. So they want that to be a fair um, assessment of value. So if you have a panel of appraisers, you need to have a a round robin type system to allocate them. And if you're using a uh, appraisal management company to handle that for you, the appraisal management company would... um, keep that private and, and use some type of round robin. So it's, system. it's to keep it unbiased. Correct. Right. That's correct. Because I think there's, there's a misconception that, that lenders have their own appraisers. That's right. And they do not. They and do they not do at not. All. Yeah. yeah. So right. all appraisers are going to be independent, certified, uh, certified appraisers in the state. That That's something that is generally um, regulated at the state level. Okay. So in North Carolina, you would be a North Carolina certified appraiser. So that myth that myth is broken absolutely. officially, uh, absolutely, and, and it's a, it's really an important myth. It's a super important myth, and I know these we don't have a huge amount of time on these shows, but 
one of the biggest misconceptions that I come across as a lender after doing this for 25 years, and I'm talking about senior people in lending or realty, the misconception of the purpose of an appraisal and what an appraisal is, is one of the most, um, you know, misaligned ideas that are out there. We'll break it for us. So most people think an appraisal is a document that tells you the value of the house being appraised. And that kind of makes sense. Like when you think of an appraisal, oh, I've got an appraisal on this house. So that document must be a document that tells you the value of that house. That's what most realtors, most people in the industry think that's what it is. And that's actually not the case at all. An appraisal is a document that tells the lender what similar comparable homes in both a near time and distance are valued at. So an appraisal is a document that tells the lender the likelihood of what the house could sell for in a in not an the open value market. of the house. Correct. Not a, not necessarily the value of the house. It tells me, the lender, what comparable homes would sell for, what I could expect to recoup if this loan didn't work out well and I had to go back to the collateral. So it's it's the collateralization of the property. That's right. That's and right. Can, are you can you get? Is it worth the risk on behalf of the lender based on this appraisal? That's exactly right. To give right. forth that money. That's right. And, and by the way, nothing's guaranteed. So we're still risking. That's right. Because there's no guarantee that the appraiser is going to. That, that's right. Okay. There, there are tons of subjective things out there in, right. in realty and real estate to um, make one house be way more sought after mm. than a very similar house in a slightly right. different neighborhood on the other side of a street in a slightly different um, tax area, whether it's in the city limits, out of the city limits, right? Um, there, there's all kinds of things that can, uh, can affect that. And, um, there's lots of situations in realty in realty where someone's willing to pay a premium for a house for reasons that are outside of the house itself. A lot of times people need to be in a subdivision because their mom's in that subdivision and it's right. convenient to, to help with the, the parent potentially need to be in the subdivision for a school system need to be in there for um, work. You know, certain police officers and stuff need to be in a county need to be in a certain area. So there are lots of situations where people will pay a premium for a home mm. It doesn't necessarily mean the home is worth a premium. That buyer was just okay doing that, and it Got made it. sense to them. So does that kind of no? That makes help with that. So services you cannot shop for: second appraisal uh, fee, appraisal fee, credit so, report. Great question. These things you can't shop for are things that have to be um, ordered by the lender. And where okay. it said second appraisal fee, what, what that actually is, there's not a second appraisal for $100 in this situation. This is a situation where the appraiser needed to go back out and certify the home was completed. So this okay. was either new construction or had some repair work going on that we needed to make sure was complete prior to the transfer of the house. So that second appraisal fee is really more of a trip free a trip fee. Um, in addition to that credit report and um, flood certification, there are things that the borrower can't um, order on their own right. or, 
you just can't go to someone and have that service done. Um, that's handled really in house at a right. lender. And, and those numbers, just so you know, are sh- all of those numbers are straight invoice pass throughs of the service provider used. They're not numbers that the lender thought were good or profitable right. or fair. These are straight invoice pass throughs of the service provider. Got it. So obviously, if there's services you cannot shop for, then there must be services you can shop we for. can shop that's for. That's right. Absolutely. So that's that whole next section. And that's going to have things such as the attorney. Generally, um, a borrower with their realtor will decide on the most appropriate attorney to use for the transaction. There are certain situations where um, new construction and national builders and mm-hmm. uh, and situations similar to that will give you an incentive to use a specific attorney, but you still have the choice on whether you're okay with that or not. So you get to choose your attorney, mm-hmm. all right? Uh, there's so there's attorney fee, attorney title, opinion letter. Yep. Um, and then what there's uh, um, so closing coordination fee. Yep. So there's a lot of um, yeah numbers broken in here. So if we look under title, literally. Everything under title is what you are generally considered the attorney's fees. Um, within that, there are two large items in there, insurances, and, and okay. it's called um, title insurance. And what title insurance is, um, most people confuse that with homeowner's insurance right. or fire insurance or even mortgage insurance. Now, the insurance we're referring to here is basically a type of fraud insurance. So we've all heard the silly um, saying, um, you believe that, I've got a bridge, I'll say. And the whole thing is selling someone a bridge. And when I was young, I really didn't understand it so well. But in realty, it makes sense. You can't sell someone a property that you don't own. So the title insurance is an insurance policy that goes into effect to make sure both the lender and it's broken into an owner's policy as well are insured that if they put money out to buy this house and it's found to be a fraudulent transaction, meaning the seller did not have the legal right to sell the property, instead of you just being out for all of that money that you still owe the bank and all that money that you brought to the closing, these insurance policies, these title insurance policies would make the lender whole and you the owner whole of any monies you had in the transaction if there there was found to be problems with the title and, and the property couldn't naturally transfer as you would have hoped. So these are all title fees in C. So then at the end, we add the costs, the fees from A plus B plus C. Yep. And we get a total. That's as right. Part, as total long, loan costs. Yep. And then there we go over to the other side of the ledger and there's other costs. That's right. So now what we're in the upper right-hand corner, what we're looking at are um, basically government fees. In this situation, it's roughly $90 worth of taxes and recording fees that the county that this house is in would require to be paid to allow the house to transfer. So that um, other cost up there, it's just the area's um, costs to transfer the property. Okay, so that's A, B, C, D, E, and then F. So prepaids, yep. Yeah, so this prepaid, is, yeah, that, which, which is a bizarre word. It, it is, um, and that is going back to this is tying in again 
to the numbers on the first page, the $10,000, which were roughly $4,000 in closing costs okay. and roughly $6,000 in prepaids, that's funding this account right here. The, this okay. is where these numbers on this page are coming from. Got it. The, um, the accumulation of all of them on that second page. So all of these prepaids. All, everything over on that right-hand side yeah. it, in the upper area is going to go to that. So the homeowner's insurance, see how that breaks yeah. it out between homeowner's insurance premium, 12 months. That's your 112. Yep. That's your 12 right there. And then below okay. it, you have um, prepaid interest for one day. So the way this is set up, this loan would be closing the day before the last day of the month. And therefore you only have one day of interim interest before the next Got month. It. So earlier, and um, I think episode one, we talked about how you won't have a mortgage payment until April. Well, if you buy in February, if yeah. you buy in February. So this is literally one day of interest in February. And then the next month's mortgage statement would have a full month's interest mm -hmm. on the next one. That's why there's not a payment due until April 1st. So that's where that would come from. But the prepaids are all portion of that $10,000 of funding your escrow and closing costs. Um, same with the next yeah, section the, we have right here. This is the initial escrow payment in, yep. at closing right here. That's right. In G. Yep. So both of those together, the initial escrow payment is funding of the escrow account to have enough taxes in there so when the taxes are due in september they're paid out but the one the reason the one is prepaid above it is because that's actually going to the insurance company day one so when the your closing attorney records this and disperses all the money he's literally cutting a check and mailing a check to your insurance company so the house is insured so even though the check gets there in the rears that insurance policy went into effect on on this day and as long as they receive that money within a certain two weeks or whatever it's a good policy so yeah. all of those numbers up top including the other that you have right yeah, there. Yeah, this is the other in H, right? It's the, uh, again, it says title, I think, here. Yep. So this is the insurance. owner's policy. So uh, earlier down the bottom, we talked about the lender's policy, and I told you it was broken up into two different policies. Yes. The owner's title policy is much cheaper than the lender's, and this is just ensuring that the, the 72000 plus any deposits you know, the money they're bringing to close plus any monies they have in the transaction are insured. You actually can opt out of the owner's policy if you did not want to pay that. However, I highly recommend it um, because if something was wrong, there is a defect in the title of this property and it didn't work out well, you would lose that 72,000. And there's actually deposit money on top of that here. You, right. you would lose a significant, you know, close to a hundred thousand dollars. Right. Cause there's 47,000 in deposits. That, that's right. So you would lose a significant, well over a hundred thousand dollars. So that's a $300 in my mind is, um, a well-placed insurance policy. So then we total up all these on this side and mm -hmm. then we get down here, uh, estimated cash to close. Well, that came from, that's where we got this number down here, estimated cash to close here from page one was right down here. And all of that is based on all of these pieces that we just divided out. Well, 
Kind of, yes. So the 72,000 is the last number on the first page. But if we go right above the 72,000, right above the black line above it, right above yeah. that, and you go over to the right of that, there's your 10,268. Right, which we had. So yeah. Yeah, that's the total of all the costs. All of this. Plus all of that cost, yeah. plus prepaids, plus funding of um, the escrow. And then down here on the bottom right, we're talking about uh, the those numbers going into it, there's the 10,268, then the down payment plus their deposits. They wrote 7,000 between uh, earnest money and due diligence. And in this situation, um, through, we'll just say negotiations and, and repairs and um, inspections, the seller agreed to credit the buyer $2,000 mm. towards s stuff. And, and that, reduce the total um, from 74,518 down to 72,518 and that those numbers will match them what's on page one all right and then we got the final page right is this final page yes yep this, final page. this is we start a little early we with start this a little one. early with this yeah. one for episode one yep so th this is just a recap of the transaction this goes and lets you know that you're going to pay um a lot of money and interest over the life of the loan. And in fact, they used to call the these boxes the heart attack box um, in the industry. We joke around with it. When you add up all of um, your total payments and stuff, you're seeing you end up paying a lot more for the house than you would have up front. And, and that number really... Um, People get a laugh about it. We joke around that you need to put a pin in, you know, put a pin in that in your calendar. You know, in 30 years, that'll be your last payment. You don't want to forget about that right. and all these silly things and stuff. So when you look at these numbers, it looks really almost offensive that how much you end up paying for the house over the life of it. But then when you factor, when you zoom out on this transaction and look at it in your family's overall financial platform, you realize that this is actually the cheapest money you have access to as a human in the United States for the most part. And not only is it the cheapest money, but it has certain tax benefits as well. You can write off in, um, for most people, they can write off up to $10,000 in mortgage interest, which would save them the amount of federal income taxes they're paying on that $10,000. So that could be three, four, five grand in certain situations that it could save you. So even though it is, um, you end up paying a lot more for a house when it has a mortgage on it than you would have if you paid cash for it. Generally, this is the cheapest money you have access to. So your financial advisor would say, it's still the smart play. Take the extra money you have that you could have paid towards the house and you deploy that money with your financial advisor, ideally at a better return than your mortgage money is costing you. That's beautiful. Well, we Does did that make it. Sense? We did it. Yeah, it does make sense. I mean, we did this. We, we, we're close, but we, we did it. We, 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 we did it. We were able to get uh, all three pages done in two shows. Excellent. Without doing a third show on the third page, which was awesome. You've been great on this, man. Appreciate it. I mean, you, you, you're so, I mean, you just, you walk in here. It's like, I could have thrown you any line in that thing and you had it. I mean, you just nailed it. I, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a dork at heart. I like the numbers. <laughs> I'm okay to admit it. At this point, the dorks are running the world at this point. So yeah, I, now you're right. And there's a nerdy people. That's it. The nerdy people win at the so, end of the day. Um, I'm all right with that. So, so tell people how they get hold of you. So again, I'm Christopher Coy with Town Bank. And um, you can always just give me a call. Um, uh, probably more agreeable to the phone than any of the fancy technology stuff. So you can just give me a call. My direct number is 919 306 
919-306-8895. Once again, 919-306-8895. Or you can shoot me an email. It's uh, my first initial last name. So that's C-C-O-Y at townbank.com. Town has a an E in it, T-O-W-N-E, B-A-N-K.com. So C-C-O-Y at townbank.com. I'm happy to help you out. Chris, thanks so much. Not a problem, Jay. Hey, folks, you know what? I'd say to you all over the world, hey, thanks for you have a lot of choices. Thanks for choosing us. We ask that you please give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Wherever you're listening to this on podcast, give us a five-star review and, you know, something positive about what you've watched or listened to. DBTV fans, tell your local station, hey, we really love the show. I say to you this all over the world, you know what it is. Ciao, every. Living if you're dreaming small